commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Crash Combat, and you're listening to Core World News, your whole new show of in-depth coverage of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a fistful of best gas special. Now for your host, Ben Grant Adam, to discuss episode three, season two, The Harris. Whenever you're oh, ready, sir. And welcome to another fistful of Beskar. I am glad to return with my fellow co-hosts. I am finally back from my trip to Endor and the uh, the celebrations. I got my yub nub in. I am more than happy with the way this country and this galaxy in the direction it's going right now. So I am so happy to be back. So happy to discuss Star Wars again with you guys. Just watched Chapter 11, The Heiress. Uh, this is season two, episode three. Uh, we, I am blown away by what we got in this episode, fellas. What, what did you guys think of this this one? Yeah, uh, yeah, same thing. I, um, you know, it's interesting. The name of the first episode, the Marshall. I had the, and since we kind of knew who might be in the season, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be the Cobb Vanth episode. And when they said the heiress. Um, and by the way, we should always say this spoilers galore. So if you have not watched the the Mandalorian yet, pause and come back. I hopefully pause because what kind of spoiled one of the things in this episode is that they call it the heiress. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be the Bo-Katan episode, right? Like, like, yeah, the, yeah. like I'm kind of bummed that I know a lot of who's going to be in this season because almost just by the titles alone, I'm starting to figure out where it's going. But but nonetheless, it was a wild ride and there was still plenty of surprises I was not expecting at all. Yeah, we should just maybe catch up for people that don't know who Bo-Katan is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, when we last saw her at the end of, uh, I think, season seven, the Clone Wars? She was also in Rebels, though, wasn't she? She was in Rebels. She's in both shows. Oh, she was, yeah, yeah sorry. She, yeah. So, somebody saw them was Rebels. Yeah. Uh, and she... In the timeline, just, right? Yeah, yeah, she had just been handed the Darksaber by Sapine Wren, and it, she was tasked with bringing, trying to unite a fractured civil war, Mandalore, back together. Um, so this would have been right before the events of the New Hope. So, you know, about eight years prior to this event, I guess. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And, um, and this, was, this went south, but she's like the preeminent leader of, of Mandalore and sister to Duchess Satine, who was um, the uh, love interest of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars. Probably Ray's grandfather in one draft or another of the sequel trilogies. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, she's Bo-Katan Kryze. Her sister was Satine Kryze, and uh, she was the Duchess of Mandalore. They got usurped and uh, by Death Watch, right? And then after that... Is uh, Bo- Duchess Satine? No. Sister. Sister. Sisters, sisters I thought. Sister. Yeah, yeah they're, they're sisters. Yeah. Sister. Because... So Satine gave her the name Bo. I think that was that was something oh. that was a nickname or something like that. But um, nonetheless, uh, Maul came in. Previsla and Maul formed Death Watch. They took over Mandalore, and then Maul killed Previsla. And then uh, uh, the history of Mandalore is pretty foggy, though. We don't really know a lot that happened after the Clone Wars and after 
uh, Rebels, right? Like, no. what do, do we know much about Mandalore was, at this point? Well, Maul ruled for a while at the end of the Clone Wars, right? All the way up till the end of the Clone Wars. Um, and then I think they were trying, probably vies for power. We don't know. Yeah. They were a pretty fractured state at that point, because when we get to Rebels, they're in full civil war. And, you know, they've partitioned out to families. Um, so it's almost like a feudal planet at that point. Right. And then right. we know that after, um, uh, you know, we know that before the Mandalorian, there was a purge. And Yeah. Um, and we got a little more. Bo-Katan spoke a little bit about in this episode. That sounds like the Empire came in, tried to control Mandalore. And when they couldn't, because basically you have a bunch of warriors probably come constantly revolting against the Empire, yeah. there was the purge, right? And they tried to make the... the it was unclear in a good way. Like, yeah. it seemed like say it's somehow... Either spread a rumor said something that basically Mandalore is no longer right. habitable, or that, or yeah. that's too dangerous to go back. So basically, they they are their their homeland slash homeworld have been taken away from them in some way or another. Right, and she thinks she can get it back. And mm-hmm. I, it sounds like uh, Jinjarin has been taught otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I kind of speaking about it, I think the episode did a really good job of summarizing all that whether or not you've seen a single episode of Clone Wars or yeah. Rebels just in a couple sentences my wife who again has never watched any of the cartoons didn't seem lost right when that happened like they did a good job that didn't ring too heavy of exposition especially because you have Din Djarin, who has no idea about the I was going to say in some ways the true history of Mandal- Mandalore in a way of Mandalorians yeah. um, and she was just like she got it right she was just on board following the ride no questions right yeah. and and, and the big big the big difference here is that Din Djarin sees Mandalore as a lost cause whereas Bo-Katan says don't believe what the rumors that the enemies are spreading about Mandalore I think I think we can save it I think we can get it back and that's, this is her mission in the show she is going to get this planet back she's going to recover Mandalore and put a new Mandalore on th- on the throne Right. which is super interesting. That was a really yeah, cool... Yeah, which, which was her here. mission, really, at the, when the last time we saw her in Rebels. Yeah. So, all right. So that's sort of the groundwork here. I thought the, the spiciest detail that came out of this was she... It was the the ideological differences between yes. Clan Kree's and uh, the Mandalorian, who is uh, a child of the Watch, which I assume is Death Watch, right? Yeah, I that's what I took it for. Well, yeah. she she says that right. It, he, we know that's he was recovered by um the Phoenix. Uh, what are they called? Or, the Rising Phoenix, whatever the whatever that clan is called. So, yes, but she's correct. Somewhere in Wikipedia, I was looking at this last week. His history has been updated even prior to this episode that he was adopted by Death Watch. So I don't know if it's some ancillary material or something else that they have identified that. Yeah, but any rando could bang that in there. I I, I would sort of yeah. Because, I mean, it's so far down the road from Death Watch, from the Clone Wars, like 20, 30 years later. I mean, that yes, it could have been a thread of that ideology. But the reason I like it is the way that they couched it was that these are, you know, um, it wasn't extreme zealots. is what the they Zealots, did, yeah. That, that yeah. worship the old ways. And, um, and, and then he meant, you know, and then he sort of added on. He's like, yeah, there can only be, you know, I, I, that's not the way of the Mandalore. Right. It's like the yeah. this is the EU comic book version and the coolest, if you would ask my personal opinion, version of the Mandalorians, um, which yeah. is a really exciting direction to take. So that was that was my favorite takeaway there. It's something we kind of wanted. Right. We had talked about for the last two seasons or last season and a half of talking about the fact that that was not 
that was different than what we saw in Clone Wars, but it makes sense that these are this is a, a a clan of Jedi that are are you know really stuck in the old ways, and so it's nice to hear that kind of just spoken out loud. Yeah, I mean, we could get it sets up all sorts of fun scenarios. I mean, you could get like an Aragorn um, sort of plot line for the Mandalorian for Jin Djarin, where it's just like they start wanting him to be the chosen one, but he doesn't want the weight. I mean, you could do a lot of things, but it, it yeah. seems like he could be on collision course, or at least we're going to learn more about the Mandalore. Um, and I think that would be pretty. Yeah. I mean, they invite him along three times, I think, in this episode. And he's clearly on his quest, right? Still on his quest. I like his I like his ideology much better. I, I'm frankly kind of tired about the whole all the civil wars and the in family infighting and stuff on Mandalore, uh, like Mandalorians. And like perhaps going to the old ways will reunite the, you know, the planet and the people and help them survive. And that's the story I want to see. I want to, you know. They also have this feeling of like, and maybe it's based on this episode, and I actually have a musical cue that I'll talk about later to kind of back up what I'm saying is that um, I like this old way because it's hard, right? When you're talking about like religious zealots, it's really easy to be like, uh-oh, right? But they they seem like honor. They're very like, they almost remind me of like Klingons in a weird way, like they're honor bound. And Watching the last two episodes with him being on a quest that does not involve his major quest, I think was really important for the char- this character to demonstrate that there are things that he's going to be drawn away from his main quest line because he has to, because it's the right thing to do, right? It's the right thing to reunite this family and help this family survive in this galaxy. Like that, that was a really touching moment, I thought, in this episode where you right, see these frog people. Street, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Maybe so I agree. Why yeah. the Mandalorians fractured in the first place. It's like yeah. they've strayed from this like honor bound creed, this honor code. And, yeah. I mean, Death Watch obviously wasn't that, but, no. um, but I like that this is a step forward. Yeah. Grant, what do you think? You just, you're like, what do you guys think? And then we just like prattled on for five minutes straight. Oh, no. I think you guys covered all the bases when, uh, you know, that we needed to cover for just getting people caught up to where we are. But we're also introduced to new Mandalorians aside from Bo Katan, which is uh, one is Casca Reeves, and the other character is uh, Axe Woves. Yeah, and Axe Woves. Pretty wow. sweet <laughs> names. Uh, and they have some awesome in this episode that I just wanted to give a shout out to both those characters. So, yeah. Uh, we we get more a lot of Mando in this episode, a lot of Mandalorians in this episode, which yeah. was pretty awesome. Right, uh, and uh, Misty Rosas uh, was the 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 one we see in the black cape. Uh, no, that's the frog lady. No, 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 no. I mean, in the beginning oh. of this episode, oh, you know, so he's oh. on the docks, and there's the woman in the in the cloak that spots him. I think that's one of the Mandalorians. Yeah, that's Casca Reeves. Right. Yep. That's the Oscar yeah, Reeves. And it, I think the actress's name is Misty Rosas. I think she's a a um another uh fighter well no so her name's sasha banks she's like oh that's sasha yeah misty rosas is the person who was in the frog lady oh okay. Um, we talked about her last week and also did quill for the first season got it but i think it's the first time she got credited yeah okay so that's sasha banks okay i should i should know um while while you guys were talking i was googling for a good 10 minutes about the mandalorians (laughs) who recovered while you were talking i wasn't listening to you because you're prattling on no i I did love everything i was saying i'm just saying (laughs) So it, it, Death Watch, it was indeed Death Watch who saved Din Djarin in those flashbacks. That's yeah, that's what that's, the tribe that was. That was Death Watch, huh? I, I could have sworn they said something else during season one about those that, that tribe, that clan. But I could Yeah, it'd be interesting where that came from, because I would have been we all would have mentioned if Death Watch was 
name checked, right? It had not been name checked on screen. So it must be yeah. somewhere off screen, some supplementary thing or something. So this kind of actually makes sense that the armorer has horns then, if it is Death Watch. Because right. she would have hailed all the way back to when Maul led Death Watch. Right. Uh, uh, it led that. So she's so she's from that far back. Well, we should also mention that Bo Katan and her two uh, 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 tribesmen are uh, are known as the Night Owls. I think they're the Night Owls, right? That's yeah. that's their tribe. Yeah, Bo Katan has the owl eyes above her visor, which is pretty cool, painted on there. The other two were pretty uh, plain and sort of matte blue, but um, it was cool. Yeah, that helmet is iconic. I, I really love that design. And Sabine has a very similar design. Uh, in her oh, yeah, the, the like female eyes, like cat eye helmet. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, Ren, the Ren clan. Yeah, it was um, really cool to see those um, those helmets in like live action. I mean, I've seen them at cosplay and stuff, but it was cool to see them on the big screen because um, they looked really cool. And I thought like, the they took up the notch of like how badass the um the Mandalorians were and and Clan Kree's was because if, if you watched Rebels um you saw that group doing the same thing kicking butt taking names um but to see it in live action they didn't it it looked even more realistic and it looked um and they looked more vicious and more real I mean we saw her like stab a guy a stormtrooper in the neck like three times yeah you're not gonna see yeah. that in any of the animated series. No, no, and it was cool. It made them look like super yeah. fun to watch. Really yeah, we, we should probably mention that Bryce Dallas Howard directed this episode, and she yeah. did an incredible job. This is incredible. my favorite episode, I think, so far this season. It's there's so many awesome action beats. Uh, all the Mando, the Mando crew, the actors, and and the stunt the stunt people yeah. involved just did a superb yeah. job. You know, I'll be honest. I think we've talked a bit about this. The the her, the she directed the episode, the Seven Samurai episode last season basically with the walker in the woods yeah. um probably personally my least favorite episode of the season and, and again i just always want to caveat that we're talking about star wars i would still happily watch that episode any day of the week um but i, I think and i don't know um you know um anything about it but at the end of the day i feel like she's really uh found her sea legs and directing no pun intended right like i feel like that she tried a lot more yeah i mean she might have just got a better script i mean that that episode was fine but it was doing a certain thing and yeah you know, i mean it's it was what it was it was the seven samurai episode and there's only so much you can you know yeah. so much directing you can do i mean she did a great job around the walker and that was fun and um but this is yeah. like they gave her a meaty meaty episode and and she killed it it was so fun Right. Yeah. In in the in season one, I mean, uh, when they did that gallery for uh, the behind the scenes for season one, they did say that there was a lot to, to packed in in that episode. Like there, we met a lot of new yeah. characters. Mm -hmm. uh, Baby Yoda gets a lot of development. Cara Dune is introduced. Uh, and obviously, there's a, a war. A village has to prepare for war. There's just so much that has to get yeah. done in that episode. Yeah. Right? And uh, yeah. and I think she just she executed it great. I just think some maybe some of the acting was a little stiff in that episode. Yeah. Um, and it just, just some weak moments, but other than, and I have to agree with you, Adam, it wasn't my favorite episode of the first season as well. Yeah. This episode in season two, like yeah. this is, this is what I'm here for. Like I've been waiting for this. Yeah, we yeah. It we've, is really we've good. been theorizing about Bo-Katan being in the show when we heard rumors of Katie yeah. Sackhoff being involved. We've, you know, we, we, in the initial trailers for season two, we saw 
the Sasha Banks character just standing in the in the robes. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh, there's a Jedi. That's a Jedi. Yeah. I was so excited nope. for this Jedi character. No, nope. mm-hmm. she's a knight. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And uh, so I love that we went to Trask in this episode. Yes. This basically the shady Boncala, this black uh, market port city on the on the water world of some kind. Yeah, it was so odd. It had like all the same the same population of Mon Calamari, which is the Mon Cala and the Quarren. Like they they cohabitate here on this like black market world of fishing and whatever. So uh, when Mando descends to this planet, it's actually uh, like shot for shot the same uh, um, sequence as the the space pod landing in Apollo thirteen that uh, Ron Howard directed. So no way. Yeah, yeah. It's actually so when his a ship, little nod to dad there. Yeah, when he throws, when he turns off the engines, and he just they drop into the atmosphere. It's exactly like the uh, the capsule uh, landing in Apollo thirteen. It's the exact you. same shot for shot to the sequence. It's, exactly, it's been it's forever since I saw Apollo thirteen, but you're totally right because that's when I was feeling. I'm like, oh, they're doing like one of these yeah. space shuttle things, and I'm like, I don't need that kind of anxiety in Star Wars. Like they they get into Atmo all the time. Like why you like. And it was, I mean, it was a thrill ride. It was super. That cool. was, was that was a, a that was a pro nod caught by someone on Twitter. I can't take credit for it, but it was very, very cool to see uh, those sequences side by side. Yeah. Someone did. Oh really? Yeah, someone did uh, throw that online. So that was. So cool. it's like shot for shot. Like, yeah. 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 Take it out. It'll be on the internet if you surf it. All right. Um, well, good catch, Twitter person. So, love that the ship just falls in the water and the reaction from that. That first Moncala, that is priceless. Yeah. That'll be a gift for life for for life after that. Yeah. But, totally. uh, when we were la- when we were landing there, I thought it was Manon, which is from the old Kotor games. I thought it was the same kind of port city that you you visit in that game, but it turned out to be a totally new planet, Trask. Which super cool that there's another water world out there, and this seems like. Uh, you could say a backwater world. It's like it's yeah, a shady underworld of yeah. uh, uh, rather than Moncala's kind of opulent kingdoms, right? And the right. there's monarchies on Moncala as opposed to this seems like more of a, uh, a economy kind of a smuggling port city, uh, almost like a pirate city. And like pirates are mentioned in this episode a couple times, which makes me hopeful we'll see some pirates ahead, and um, that would be cool. But uh, so. Frog, the frog um, species and uh, her eggs uh, are reunited with yeah. father. That is a super touching scene. I don't, yeah. how, how did you feel watching? I thought that was so great to see like these alien faces emote in such a beautiful way, which you don't really see in a lot of the films. I was like, I really want to see more of this kind of alien, this human like alien interaction in the films and like the, the main saga films and the big temples. Absolutely, man. Like, same thing. I guess I've just been watching too much like downer television because I was just like waiting for one of them to get crushed by an imperial or something. Like, <laughs> right they met. and I was so glad that didn't happen. They were, you know, it was a really beautiful reunion. And yeah, like you said, it was a beautiful alien moment. And it doesn't matter. They're like clearly people in rubber suits. Like it was like awesome. And um, I don't know. There was very emotive. And then there was like, then of course I was like really worried that. <laughs> There's a lot of like weird, like subtle tension in this episode. <laughs> like that was one of them. And then also like when he, I mean, baby Yoda he's, eyeing the, yeah, the food, he's like, you know what I'm talking about. Don't do it. And I was like, Oh God, he's going to eat all their kids. And it's just going to be a bloodbath. I'm like, Oh God. 
Um, but then it turns out to be a learning moment and it's good to like that baby Yoda gets to see a real interaction between two beings that love each other and like made progeny. It's like a nice break from all the killing for that kid, you know? Um, so I'm glad they're going down that path. So, you know, I mean, so there's a, even a possibility that baby Yoda could be good. Like when you first mentioned like about, you know, 11 episodes ago you're like i think baby yoda's gonna go evil or like there's a possibility you do that i was like oh no they'd never do that but now i'm like i don't know how he wouldn't be evil based but on did that. i say that no yeah no yeah. it wasn't me no i think he's might he's, have been he's eternally meant to explore the like inherent innocence of uh, of a of a person right of you yeah. know like you're not gonna you're gonna use light or dark you know based on your own kind of instincts rather than you know a knowledge base of of, of or a practice, right? A religious practice of any kind. So I feel like, uh, but what I loved about this episode was there's so much development for Baby Yoda. I feel like Baby Yoda evolves in such a beautiful way in this episode where, at you know, in the previous episodes, we saw him eating everything in sight. And then obviously it yeah. seems that he's he's just a, he's almost like a gremlin in that he eats all the time. And Mando even hints at that. He's like, I know you're hungry when they land, all that kind of stuff. But I think in this episode, there's a lot of development in that he grows and starts to respect and and, and and meet new life for the first time and really understand it's it, a beautiful like moment where if you have two children and your your eldest meets your newborn like it's it's a really beautiful moment at the towards the end of this episode where baby yoda gets to interact with the, the actual offspring of the, the frog species which is it's awesome scene i thought there was i thought this episode did the best had the best usage of baby yoda and uh and just just the right amount of baby yoda and there was just so much development with baby yoda and it's just like it's it's my favorite episode so far in this season because of i think all the baby yoda moments in this yeah. episode yeah i agree i think i think the use of baby Yoda is pitch perfect um i i not a big fan of how falver used him in episode one it was reaction shot baby yoda um and then last episode was just baby yoda in peril right there wasn't a lot of and eats eggs but i agree i, I really so liked it up that he was like you know just yeah carnivorous didn't really appreciate life and it set up this I, and and i love that they used it because the last episode i was talking about the fact that they used this kind of you thought he was have this mystical connection with the eggs they used the musical cues and then it was just for comic relief throughout the episode and yet they still in this, this episode paid it off right with actual as you're great you're saying character development for baby yoda and i and i appreciate that you don't like john favreau's usage of baby yoda in the first no episode? it That's felt like, like the sistine chapel though it's like we're meeting him for the first time a beautiful not a beautiful uh homage to art art history no 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 in in sorry in the first episode of this season, season when oh. that, that favra no the use in, oh, in the first i was episode. so worried for baby yoda in the first in this the first episode of season two i was yeah, horrified was, i was like don't leave him outside the, the yes what are you yeah i mean but then it was always just like, cut it was like you need to watch the kid and that was a great misdirect mm -hmm. it was like are we gonna see Cobb vanth be the man to yeah the rest of the i thought they used <laughs> They used him as a prop well. As a character, there was no nothing other than just, like, cut to see how Baby Yoda reacts to see what he's seeing, right? Like, I just felt like... It felt like later Spielberg with kids. Or animals. Yeah. There are three Spielberg movies in a row that he had animal reaction shots, and I was... That's when I realized I'm no longer a fan of Steven Spielberg. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, but we digress. So, chronologically, we're, we're at where the, uh, the two frog people embrace just in the beginning and that's when i think we see Casca, Casca reeves right the um 
the Mandalorian mm-hmm. in the cloak. Like we just get a glimpse. And of course we're still, we don't know who this character is yet as the audience. And I thought that was, that was a fun way to start the episode. So um, we see yeah. her and then we go to, then we're pointed to that inn where we go to the, into the inn and yeah. we get to see what they eat on this planet. And it's <laughs> you, you get some, wild. From the chowder cannon, man. I, wanted to maybe, drink from the chowder hose. Maybe I'm a New England at heart, but I was just yeah. like, Ooh, can we get a chowder hose yeah. in every restaurant, please? Yeah. I was I to smell it. this episode. Yeah, yeah, I worked in a, um, a seafood restaurant for three years. Um, it's called the Salty Dog in Faneuil Hall, Boston. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a lovely establishment, family owned for yeah. three years. Um, hey, I drank there, I drank there a couple times with you, Barton. Yeah. It was a good time. A, yeah, it has a crusty downstairs. If you're there in the winter, it's an awesome <laughs> place to go. Um, but in the summer, they have this beautiful outdoor patio. Anyways, whole place smelled like chowder. I was always covered yeah, in chowder, and I loved it. The chowder was delicious. That's what, that's what this awesome. place smelled like. Yeah, totally. I was like, um, oh, bubbly's yeah. in and trash. Yeah, yeah. But I was, they should definitely need. Um, they definitely need chowder hoses and, and salty dog. Agreed. Lots uh, of corn in this episode. Lots of corn. Lots of calamari. And, of, uh, and the tentacles were a moving. Like there was some pretty good like uh, animatronic like prosthetics yes. for yeah. in this episode. I the second time through, I loved that. Apparently, that little treat, the live octopus or whatever it is, yeah. comes with every serving oh. of chowder because you actually see it come out of the hose. Because you see, yeah. you see chowder come, and then you see like a little bloop come through <laughs> it. And, and when you first cut into the bar, they show you they show him using it, and you just see the little like blup come through. So apparently, that's just something you get. It's a little added bonus to every every cup of chowder you get. Is a little uh, octopus. You can't get chowder with yeah, clam chowder without clams, and you can't get squid chowder without squid. But if you didn't think like the last episode had, was pulling from Alien, like this one for sure. Again, <laughs> another massive nod to Alien in that yeah. the octopus just immediately grips freaking Baby Yoda's face. Yeah. I I my issue with this is <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious. I was shocked that he needed the uh, needed the Mandalorian to save him or to help him. It was a great moment of levity, so I enjoyed it. Where he's like, "Stop playing with your food." Um, it was a good, it was a good line. But I just thought for sure he would just be like, "It'd be on his face," and you'd just see him go <laughs> and just suck it inside. Yeah, yeah. Just like I thought he was gonna like force choke it and just yeah. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what I'm. What is, has been like missing from this that I'm glad about because like his whole life in the first season is like I don't know. Do I kill it? Like. Every right. day is life or death. And it was like, he's like, do I let it live or do I kill it? Like, do you want me to kill this thing? You know? And I'm glad that he's getting more human or, well, I don't know, better yeah. uh, references, not necessarily human, but um, good, good references and, um, and experiences in there in this, uh, in this season. Yeah. It's all, it's all about like symbiosis, right? I mean, Yoda gets to this place of symbiosis on Dagobah where there's like snakes, you know, creeping past him. And yeah. He doesn't mind. Like he's just, friends with all the natural life and but also eats all the natural life and yeah it's a really interesting you know philosophical place that yoda gets to yeah i'm pretty sure yoda's not a vegetarian because he's just like oh yes now you're one with the four celebrate this steak dinner that is delicious and that i'll pass it on to the, the force you could definitely rationalize it that way um yeah, I don't, and that was I, I digress but i would i might pass on that chatter though it looked a little chunky well so that's one thing I kind of love about the series too, is it's like, there's a very murky line between sentient being beast, like, yeah. you know, like, and food. <laughs> it's, it's pretty blurry. Um, you know, yeah, baby Yoda just eats, eats everything. Um, yep. 
and I'm like, oh, I'm like, should that be a pet? I don't know. Like that's food. It's kind of, it's definitely still alive and fighting back. Like, but um, I don't know. It's fun. It's, I think it's a so then. We see that uh, calamari flan come out again, Adam. I know you were happy. <laughs> yeah, yes. we do. I was so excited. <laughs> it might be the only moment. And this is nothing against. I love this episode. It's my second favorite of the season. I act the only time I clapped in the episode was the calamari flan. Came out. <laughs> you were like, yeah. This just says something about. This says something about me more than the and show. the payoff. That was <laughs> yeah. I did uh, give a holler too. I'm glad there was a, a reprise of the of the calamari currency. Yeah, they better get that stuff in Galaxy's Edge by the time I go there. That's all I'm saying. There and, might be some replica. And, you just keep yeah. it in your pocket as like a, a stunt, like every once in a while. You just try to bring it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want. I actually might make my own out of gelatin and try to pay the people that work there in it because they have to stay in character, and I want to see the reactions when I try to hand them something gelatin-like for payment. <laughs> actually, I'm a hundred percent going to do that now, guys. That's exactly what I'm going to do. He's like, do you take calamari flan? And then just hand it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they say they don't take credits, it's like, all I have is calamari flan. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's good. Did times. it make the noise again in this episode? It didn't seem didn't, to make the noise. I should have turned I didn't it up. Hear I need to turn it, it up. It pretty wet in this episode. It definitely it yeah. like pucks in the first one, but this one yeah, is a little squidgy. Slurped onto the table. Sure. So then Dinjar and quick to tr- trust the locals. Right. I know yeah. That look dumb, dumb. at all. He like <laughs> chuckles, not even to himself. He's like, "Here's some oh, money. Tell me, tell me where okay. you're gonna rob me." And it's then... also hilarious because if you watch it with with um, subtitles on, which I do, um, it literally you hear the conversation that the corn and the Moncali are having, and it's just like he's asking for other other things. He has the best scar. So like even with that reading subtitles. You're especially the first time I listened, watched. I didn't listen with with subtitles, but I still knew it was coming. But if you listen to subtitles, you really know what's coming. Wow, but um, yeah. So you know, as with any trap, uh, you spring the trap. Um, I, I want to see. He looks on the open water. The armor ref- and like in overcast skies, his armor looks almost black. It looks. Yeah. I feel like he looks so cool. It's almost the same shade as his like, you know, the the clothes he wears under it, which is like this dark charcoal yeah. gray. He was like a different. It was like he had new armor for this episode. It yeah, was so cool looking. While they're that pushing, boat was pretty rad. Oh, yeah. boat design. That boat's awesome. space boat. That's Doug Chang, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I think I mentioned the musical cue earlier, and this is when we hear it. This is the first time in the season we get the clearest representation of the Mandalorian theme, which is when they're pushing in on the boat and the Mandalorian standing there. And, uh, you know, we're all big believers that musical cues don't happen by accident. There's a reason why they waited three episodes in to give you that Mandalorian theme clear and bright. And my thought is, this is the moment where we're back to the Mandalorian being the Mandalorian. He has completed his mission of reuniting the frog people. He's seen this. He's now on the trail of the Jedi, right? Like, I like this moment of like, this is where he's just like, he spent the last two episodes kind of just so obsessed with the child trying to find it. He forgot what it was like to be a Mandalorian. And I think he's remembered now, right? Like, that's why I think that. He's got that demon in his head. He's just like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. He's super heroic in this episode too. Like mm-hmm. There is a, there's almost like this slow mo moment. Yeah, because he's got like his... '90s action film where he's yeah. just like oh, yeah. striding towards the enemy and sacrificing himself for the cause, and it's pretty awesome. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if again 
he is named Mandalore by the it's end. It's true. Too bad they didn't have someone who could throw something, I don't know, 30 feet, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was like, can he throw? He's, yep, he's going to run really the ball. He's going to run the ball. All right. Um, so, so that boat, you, you guys have to explain something to me. In that boat, there's a massive squid, that same squid species we saw earlier in the food, I think, right? Like, that is the, the main like export of this. And the Mamacore? The Mamacore? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, the Mamacore. At the very end of the episode, I think they're all yeah, I think they all might be. Yeah. The, so there yeah. was one in that ship, right? Like, yes. Okay, all right. I don't know I was, why. I didn't know how because... that chamber existed. It was almost like the Overlook Hotel where I was like, how is there a chamber under there? I, I thought the boat. boat it might felt like Jabba's sail bar or Jabba's atlas on water. You know, I thought it was cool. It's like yeah, it, it was you know, the Rancor pit sort of thing. And that just leads you to the question of why? Like, why do they have this thing? Like, what is its purpose? Because it's there. They talk about they feed it usually in the mornings, right? So it's like, right. it's not like they caught it. Like, this is just something that lives there and they feed. And I want to know what purpose it serves because it has to serve some purpose. But you're right. Maybe it's a Jabba's Palace. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're all bad guys, it's like some, you know, it's just a way to dispose of bodies, I guess. But um, it seems odd to go fishing just to feed the creature in your fishing boat, but right, yeah. Maybe they. Oh, I'm gonna like totally Star Wars it up, which is what they're like. I don't know. It's you know you and the you figure it out, um, Pablo. Um, so maybe they actually feed it so it reproduces. So maybe they're feeding it so it reproduces little ones that they then use. They harvest for food. Um, oh, that's yeah. not going with. That's uh, all right. I'll take that. Because take the mama, they it's eat like, them. It's like a massive sea chicken. Yeah, exactly. A massive sea chicken. <laughs> but that was a harrowing moment when they're like stabbing down at him with the spears while he's behind the, the, the fence. Like the I got the, very uncomfortable in that entire segment. It was really well shot. And, and like I got really ugh, like I just yeah. really like I, was like I felt myself kind of and then myself like i yeah. don't like this <laughs> i had a little panic attack there, yeah but it was yeah. that was effective I, wondering, well, I thought he was gonna fight his way down in the water but it, it yeah. really shows water is not his best you know environ for fighting and then by contrast when you know the clan crease shows up they just she jumps right in um and uh her jetpack apparently works underwater weapons work underwater and then sure. flies out of the water and it's like I was like, can he upgrade his stuff to that? Because that would. Yeah. Be- I, that's yeah. So this episode does a really good job, as we mentioned, of showing the Mandalorian's or Din Djarin's strength and also his weakness. Yeah. His weakness <laughs> is that he's just a real dumb dumb at times. Like, I, like, don't let people like, stand behind you. Yeah, yeah. don't be There's like, open I should look at this. No, you should really look at this. You should watch this thing happen. I don't live in Star Wars world. I live in the real world where violence isn't that common. But if someone said that to me, I'd be like, you're 100% good. You know what? Actually, in real life, I had this happen to me where someone wanted me to look at it, help them build a well, and maybe want to stand real close and look down. And you know what I said? No, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so I guarantee you he was going to push me down that well. And you know why I'm here today? Because I didn't stand next to that well. Yeah. If it's kind of like me and, uh, when I was going to enter a door at a pizza hut under this guy's yeah. arm. And I was like, no, thanks. And I walked away. Yeah, I was no, like you, seven. I was like seven or eight. I was yeah, pretty you knew what was coming. You may I not knew know it. what was coming, but you knew yeah. what was coming. <laughs> it's just a vibe. Yeah, that guy was not giving off good vibes. Uh, yeah. When he was like, you, you want to see my sea monster? It's like, yeah. no. Yeah. no. He's like, yeah, stand right near the edge. It'll be awesome. Yeah. 
I, I was actually pretty surprised how clever he was to throw the kid in rather than try and wrestle with the Mandalorian, but it made sense in hindsight. Yeah. That was slightly startling. Um, so yeah, so we get we get a great introduction to Clan Kree's. Um, they save him. He sort of they, they we have that exposition scene that we talked about in the beginning, right? Um, when they take off their masks, and they, they do such a good job of showing how like hurtful it is to the Mandalorian when he sees yeah. them take their mask off. We've now that's the second time it's happened this season. Um, that was awesome. Um, and yeah, all that exposition was great. And then he goes and sort of is like, I'm out, I, I'm done with you, and leaves. They save him again from his brother. Like the same thing happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> when that guy walked out, I I mouthed the exact line. Yeah, I right. I was like, You killed, you killed my, my brother. brother. And yeah. he said it. <laughs> I I initially thought it was going to be a turn where it was like, you killed my brother. And then I was going to be like, thank you. I thought I was going to do that. It was going to, I'm glad they didn't, but I thought for certain they were going to be like, thank you. You, you, now I am the, you know, leader of this clan. Um, I want to mention, you know, Katie Sackaloff, uh, playing. Sackoff? Sackoff. I I always add an L. Sackoff would be a heck of a name. Yeah. I always add that elder name. I've been doing it since I've been watching her Battlestar Galactica. Sackoff. Um, moving past that so i you know i feel like she um it's super cool that they got the voice the person who provided the voice to play the character and embodies the character too right like like i don't think clone wars wasn't known for doing the thing like archer does which is like trying to actually animate the characters as close to the voice performers as you can and so it's just a nice little touch of fate that she looks like it could pull it off and, and has the same voice. Like, it's just that nice little sense of continuity. Yeah, this is a very, you know, cool leap from mm-hmm. animation to live action. Was she the voice uh, of Yeah. Yeah, she was. Oh, and uh, yeah. it was, I can tell Katie Sagov, like, did her homework and studied the animation as well, because some of her body language yeah. looks yeah. exactly like the character yeah. in in the series in the animated series um i thought that she's was also props she's a, to that because that was really cool to see that blend yeah. of, you know trying to make your your animation character translate to uh live action in a way that doesn't feel jarring it's like oh wow she's actually copying some of the body language in the beginning and then now we can explore her just as a live action dramatic yeah. character in a really cool new way her story if i got it right is interesting where i feel like she had talked about not being a much of a nerd growing up and then got into a lot of nerd franchises as an actress, like like uh-huh. into Battlestar Galactica, and by proxy became a huge nerd, like host right. a lot of nerd things where she's just like she has all the creds in the world, but she just like got steep and was like, This stuff's great. So I'm sure she was totally on board to just watch everything and make sure this 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 portrayal is accurate as possible because she knows what it means to the fans. Yeah, she yeah. was fun to watch. She killed that, that mm-hmm. the head the headband was cool too. It had like little lights on it, which yeah. was real yeah, yeah, yeah. see. Uh, uh, the armor looked amazing. Seeing these, seeing these Mandalorians in action in this episode again, just shadow yeah, uh, yeah. action sequences. Um, but we also get Imperials in this episode. Yeah, yeah we do. They're they're they seem to be uh, in the division in Gideon's division, right? Like they seem to be. They have clean armor. They're not remnant troopers. They're kind of they're yeah. They're not like those like malnourished. Yeah. one we saw in, epi- in, in last season yeah yeah like yeah roads and if we could just back up one second to the beginning of this so the scene where they're sitting on the top of the razor crest mm. um looking oh, yeah. like scouting the the harbor 
and then you see the Gozanti cruiser. First yeah. of all, like so Gozanti cruisers are like they're nice, like they were in they're the things that drop off the Imperial Walkers and Empire Strikes Back. They're just like a really cool ship um that actually hails from way, way back. Um, but they never really talk about them. But they've Filoni's given them new life in a lot of different ways. But um, so I was just tickled to see one in live action, and it looked awesome. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was yeah, like yeah, totally. impressive and ominous, and just yeah, giant profile. Yeah. Like it looked wild. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, like work horse of a machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah looked, but um, they, they made it look so cool. Um, so that was awesome. Speaking of Imperial Walkers, because I was not here for the segment. So did you guys talk about the the crane that lifts? Yeah, but, uh, no, but I, I meant to, actually, because it is. I want to head back because I thought of Grant. The, the repurposed walkers? Yeah. Repurposed walkers. But here's like the weird freaking circular thing of Star Wars, right? And Grant, you know, being from Northern California, spending a lot of time, I should not right. be from, but That's spending right. time in Northern yeah, California. Yeah. Oh yeah, San Francisco. When you the, drive up there, to the the inspiration for the yes. city, which yep. many thought were the cranes in the shipping yards in the Bay mm-hmm. area, and, uh, and but that's that was a myth. That was um, it was not George's actual inspiration for the ATAT. That's correct. Just, I, it was something else. I don't know what it was exactly. But just, now this is now, design. It probably, but this yeah. is now re-solidified that myth because those things look so much like those that yeah. i'm just like now it's it's the orbors it's the stale it's the it's the steak eating its own tail exactly it's uh, now the walker is serving the purpose that it was mm-hmm. creation for yeah yeah uh, yeah I, I, I only caught that on the second viewing i'm like oh those are walker legs that's how it got out there and i was like oh. i would have actually liked to see it take a couple steps but yeah awesome um yeah so we did that and then now we're on the gozanti cruiser so this is where we saw the in, from the trailer those scenes i think in you know now we, you're in the familiar confines of a um imperial you know machine war machine um and that was awesome just watching them tear through stormtroopers like yeah four yeah. Mandalorians tearing through stormtroopers in live action i never thought i'd see that you know it, it was awesome yeah Imperials either have to stop designing alcoves into their hallways or teach their stormtroopers how to use those alcoves. How to use them? Effectively. Yeah. yeah. I know. Because what they, they locked a lot of men. In the hallway <laughs> with no cover, you're like, what are you doing? Right. Um, yeah. You have all the cover in the world there, and they're just like standing, especially the uh, the officer there in the, in the rear of the ship there was just like, I'm going to stand right here. And uh, I love they have the SE-11s are the, are actually old standard issue um, uh, officer guns, the blasters that both uh, officers had on this. They, they have the huge scope on it. That was cool to see the SE-11s. Yeah. Um, the E-11s were the standard, you know, the, the stormtroopers had. But the new blasters that, that were in that cargo hold that um, Orb's gone with, the closest thing I can... I recognize for those are the clone commando blasters. Mm, interesting. I actually forget it, it, them now, but they, um, I, I can't quite place those blasters, but they look familiar, but they're, you know, not, you know, they're not original trilogy stuff. Right. But it makes sense. They would be kind of a development. Yeah. Um, right. But I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it could. So it could be, I mean, they're definitely heavier alter, all artillery than, you know, the DLT-19, those long ones that we saw, one of those um, 
machine guns being used. Anyway, sorry. I, uh, no. I blasters. Um, and uh, it's because I feel like it tells a small part of the story and it's cool to see um, which ones are using. Yeah, I think they would agree with that, right? They are very conscious of the of the weapons that they choose throughout these series and these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And the cinematography was gorgeous in this episode. Um, the low angle shots uh, were beautiful. Um, just seeing the Mandos in their armor. Uh, Bo-Katan especially just had just looked awesome in the action sequences. And yeah. just how that yeah. character walked around was awesome. Uh, and then the other character, Costco Reeves, like we didn't even talk about the all her action beats where she jumps in and just fights, like jumps in and recovers Baby Yoda from yeah. the, the Mama Corps, like on that yeah. ship. Like that yeah. was, she just jumps into action. That character seems to be the strongest warrior of the three, or just seems yeah. to be the one who's most, I guess, um, accomplished or with the, the best ability. Yeah, because there was no doubt. Bo Katan's like, we got this, it's cool. And then mm-hmm. it just takes care of it. Yeah. The um, the male character fought really well too. I'm trying to think he had a couple like cool moves that I hadn't seen before. I was trying to think it was like a headbutt thing or something, but he was yeah. he was great as well. But yeah, Costco really I thought for sure. Yeah. I thought for sure Axe uh Wolves Wolves was not gonna make it through the episode. Uh, yeah, I'm not for sure they were gonna be like he was gonna be like the red shirt. Yeah, exactly. But no, he he made it through. He's he's there too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, um, if whole, um, I wonder if there's more than just the three of them in um, left of House uh, Crees because she always had a cadre of you know six or eight that she rolled with, but now it's yeah. just you know they tend you know now it's just down to three. So um, I, I wonder if their ranks have been thinned with all yeah. these like all of these missions they've been going on. Yeah, it makes um, sense. I, like, I loved every single scene that happened on the ship because they recreated on a television budget, budget like, original trilogy stuff in a way that I feel like I haven't seen since actually Rogue One, right? Like, they had all the costumes for the captains. The sound effects were there. The sound effects for the elevator made me giddy. Yeah. I can't even explain it. Like, just, they got everything right of this, like, like original trilogy sound effects. Like Ben Burt felt like he was there with everything going on. That the the armor looked crisp and like just from it. Like the, the the officers' uniforms and the casting too. Like Titus Welliver, who played the the captain, um, who you recognize from pretty much ever any show yeah. ever shot in the past twenty years. And they got him in here for like six minutes of screen time, but he's a heavy to bring in. And he feels like he was born to play an Imperial captain. I will say, I, I wish he affected a, a that clipped British Imperial accent um, for this a little I, bit. I don't know if it's within his range or not, but it's weird to hear an American accent on an Imperial. It, it, it did knock it down a half a point. I agree a hundred percent. I was really like, he, he looks that way, but it's just like, not British. That's weird. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Were any of them British in this episode? Because I, I feel like even the, the other officer wasn't British. Mm-hmm. No, maybe, I think they're Maybe wrong. he was. I don't know. They've but, just uh, got the scrubs now, so they have to use Americans. That's true. But um, he does have that super cool mo- the cyanide moment that kind of that I thought was awesome. And he gets to make he he made that iconic, you know. So it's cool yeah. that uh he got to do that and then yeah. Scene. He also has a reaction shot when when he's hearing them say "lock the doors, lock all of the doors." He looks to the ceiling without moving any of his facial features, and it's this mo- amazing moment of like it just felt like something from the office where the person's just like, "Oh, that yeah. yes, yeah. like." Uh, 
Yeah. That was a great yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the cargo the cargo bay command area. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got them trapped, sir. Where? In the cargo bay command area. <laughs> it's like probably not the best idea. And I love I love that they didn't because they could have shot it where he immediately was just like, um, no, not there. But I love that they hang on his face for a second where he's just for like three seconds. He's like, oh, good. They have him captured. And he's like, wait, where? Like, yeah, yeah. He's putting <laughs> it together as yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, opening the hatch. Yeah. That was good times. Um, I guess um, are, do we do we cover the Gozanti cruiser there. Actually, I mean, gosh, every it just kept on giving. You had yeah. to like crash scene, narrowly averted and get to see the Mandalorian. Um, you know, leaning on one of his strengths where he's actually a pretty good pilot. He, I mean, if he can pilot the Razor Crest, he can pilot that thing. Um, and they actually, they're off on their mission. And then we got a couple of really impactful this is the ways in this episode. Yep. Um, the the first one was like sort of a, you know, a burn, you know, being like, oh, this is the way, you know. Yeah, yeah. But then when she left, it was like with respect and it, it was really, um, it was really powerful. And, and I hope a, a sign of what's to come where they actually, they respect their differences. And um, and hopefully, you know, maybe she starts realizing, you know, it'd be great to see Clan Crees understand that the old ways, there are really good parts of the old ways. Yeah. And I know we haven't quite gotten to them. Well, actually, they, they kind of do separate at the end of the scene. So I can kind of hit on it. But I like the fact that the doors left open into where this could go. They're going their separate ways, right? Which I pre- which I'm glad, right? Like, I don't want him on that mission yet. Like, yeah. stick with the baby, stick with this. But he know he has a new ally. And I really think we are getting the season two version of the season one building the team. Like, I do yeah. think we're going to get Cobb Vanth coming back. I do think we're going to get, um, uh, uh, well, I can't think of her name. Uh, what's that? Oh, I said Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. No, like the easiest name ever that for some yeah. reason just left my name. Uh, Bo-Katan, right? I feel like we're going to get him pulling all these people together on this mission. Yeah. The other thing that I want to mention, this is the first time this season, and you may have covered this when I was away for a couple of minutes, where she actually, he actually states, I'm trying to bring them, bring him to the Jedi. Yeah. That's which is, I think is important, right? He hasn't really said that yet. So now we're clearly because he's bringing to his people, right? We've been discussing, like, is it Yoda people? Is it Jedi? Nope, it's clearly we thought it was, but this is we are clearly defining his mission. Yeah, which is interesting because technically Ahsoka is not a Jedi. I mean, I guess she was sort of brought back in for a moment, but she's technically, yeah. and I mean, I don't know. And then if you look at Rebels, she helped. I mean, there was really no Jedi order. So you, I was gonna say, in this timeline, other than Luke. Yeah, but Bo-Katan knows her when she was a Jedi. So yeah, and knows he's honorable. And, her and, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, you're you're dead on there, Grant, where it's like you, you're in very thin ice with Ahsoka Tano because, like, she could, yeah, she's going to overpower this this series. Um, right. Presence. If we see her, you know, maybe she's not there or, you know. I don't think we're getting her next yeah. At the break, we were talking about Ahsoka, and I was saying, you know, if we are introduced with Ahsoka to, uh, to Ahsoka, I I I will as a fan want to watch the Ahsoka Tano show. Yeah, and I, I Jar and I, as interesting as that character is, uh, Ahsoka Tano's always been, I think, just one of the most mysterious, complex, and uh, I would say, like, kind of 
fantasy characters like one of the yeah. coolest space fantasy characters i think that the, the series has to offer and it's just now, there's a lot there's a, a big draw with that character where i just want to know more and i want to explore yeah i want that I, so bad i think ahsoka tano is just another i don't know why i keep saying her full name we keep saying her full name i don't know why ahsoka is i don't think ahsoka is more than just another stop on his journey because i'm guessing ahsoka at this point is not willing to take a jedi or a force user i think she is still very much apart and in hiding and not wanting to be part of this i don't think she's back in yet i think she will get there so my theory is that we're gonna have an episode with her and she's gonna be like because every episode this season and i feel like it's gonna be for the next four episodes it's like no 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 you need to go there (laughs) right like this is his quest where he's going from point a to point b and she's gonna send him somewhere else all right i want to speak to both of your points simultaneously Mm. one is that like this could actually be the uh the ground setting for the Ahsoka Tana spinoff, right? So absolutely can use it a little more liberally so that the layman sees it and falls in love with Ahsoka Tano. (laughs) Secondly, as a thought experiment, what do you guys think Ahsoka will do when she sees Baby Yoda, the child, for the first time? Knowing what you know about the character Ahsoka Tana. Oh. So there's Baby Yoda looking adorable waddling up to her she 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 either might i I think she would easily take the the child and care for the child yeah yeah but i I can also see ahsoka saying the child chooses you to the mandalorian i can see her saying yeah where it's like the child chooses you i can i can can see that i can feel it i can in the force yeah and then he's He's not he's not one of it's gonna be like he's not one of us. He has found his people. He is one of you, or something like that, right? Like, yeah. And so, just to like rehash a little bit of the Ahsoka stuff, like, so she was a Padawan in the Clone Wars, and then becomes a very powerful Jedi by the uh, by the end. Actually, she never actually took the trials, right? She was a Padawan. Padawan for Correct. Life. She never. Right. Right. Okay. But we so we then we see her as sort of Luke Skywalker, um, Jedi sort of. Uh, in Rebels, where she she is a mean Jedi, but she's a rogue. She has, you know, I mean, she's had some of the best masters of anyone, right? Yeah. But like now, I think we're gonna get Obi Wan Kenobi, Ahsoka Tano, and, or maybe even something more. I, I doubt she even has a lightsaber anymore. I, I would be. I think she has know, that I, staff. I think she's gonna be in the white robes. Yeah, based on Filoni's drawing. I yeah, I really think when when we see her. By the way, I do not think we're gonna see her next episode. I think everyone needs to couch there expectations though to be fair this this season has gone super fast and it's proved me wrong every time i thought they're gonna hit the brakes but i don't think we're gonna see your next episode but i think we do it's gonna serve as a similar to how like the doom patrol episode of titans worked i think it's gonna serve as a backdoor pilot to an ahsoka tano i think they're testing to see like you were saying ben the reaction to obviously the fans like her will the audiences who don't know her like my wife for example feel a connection and i think they will because this is the first Jedi-ish person we're going to see. And I think people are always are going to crave Jedi. So I think, I think the reaction is going to be huge. I think they're, they're trying to build her as this season's baby Yoda. Not necessarily in the cuteness factor, but in the, the oh my gosh, I can't believe it's, this is so cool. Let's give her her own show factor. The commercial viability factor, yeah. She's going to get her own series after yeah, this. Yeah, four quadrants. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah uh and and we i think we do know at this point that rosario dawson is going to bring her to life uh, yeah so that's the other thing too she's a treasure rosario dawson yeah 
I mean, and a heavy in terms of the acting. Like you don't again, it's you don't bring her in. I said the same thing about um, Timothy Oliphant. You don't bring them in for one episode, right? You don't cast Rosario Dawson to just play her for one episode. So probably the 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 the, 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 the way they got her in was you're going to be this episode, and there's a chance you may be in a lot of lot more things. And she's also an uber nerd. Like she writes her own comic book series. Like she is a certified certified giant nerd. And she's way overdue for to head to be a lead actress in a agreed. And and what would really be the crowning achievement of the the stagecraft technology and the, the CGI and and all the milestones that they've they've um, accomplished in the last you know few years doing this show is that if they were able to show Luke Skywalker in uh, one of these Disney Plus series uh-huh. and have Mark Hamill play Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. and simply de-age him as yeah. they've done in many Marvel films. Like, yeah. that would be spectacular. I'm and I can see that on. happening in the Soka show. I can see that happening only I, I can show. see it happening in this show. This so show. can I. Yeah, I will go one step, because I think, Ben, you said hold out hope. I will guarantee you we will see that in, in this series or in the Ahsoka Tano series. Because if this season has proven anything, it's that they are going to spend the money. That they are funneling the money from whatever they're going to spend on features to whatever, like the production values of this show, because we had the volume last season, which was really great for on the ground shots. But this season has gone above that with doing so many CGI like flights and space battles and things that weren't really possible, even in the first season, the way they're doing it. So they're spending the money and to spend the money. They'll DH Mark Hamill and get him come in. And Mark Hamill's going to be game because he's Mark Hamill. It'll be sound design too. It'll be a mixture. It'll be a mixture of many things. It's yeah. gonna be peak Luke Skywalker too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gonna, I, I would love to see a really like quirky, weird, joyful sort of middle-aged Skywalker that's yeah. just like like throwing mountains around because he can, you know, like yeah. just like for a laugh or you know, just weird. And just make him. A, he could be a really funny character. Well, I love the Sage Luke. I mean, we lost. Yeah, we, didn't, we haven't yeah. had Sage Luke in a long time. And when I watch Return of the Je- Jedi, I get chills. Like I get goosebumps when Luke appears on screen. He is such oh. an interesting character in that film. So. And quirky and funny, like hey, at the his, same time. Like I love not to trigger Grant, but I love how funny he is in the Last Jedi. But the but the but I agree with Grant in that like we get that mixed in with his super depressive whatever. So to see like peak of his prime, Luke, who's joyous and happy and also quirky and funny. Like I would, I'm so excited yeah. to see that. He's uh, not burdened by any of the like new Republic stuff. He's like, listen, I saved you twice. Like, can mm-hmm. I just, you know, like go to my studies and learn about the Jedi and just, he, he's free to go on this vision class and do it. Like that's the Mark Hamill. I, I would love to see. Um, yeah. We've mentioned this a couple of times, but um, yeah, I think the door is open for that. I think it really is. Yeah. What could be a blend of that that quirky kind of uh, comedic, you know, cynical Luke from the Last Jedi, and it could be it could show how that attitude is could could develop. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. It, that's what it could yeah. do. It's basically just I mean, give people that understanding of oh, this is how you got to that place. Really, it's my favorite. You have that. Last... You have that in you to be just a total detached Diogenes Skywalker. You know, my favorite moment of of Luke teaching in the Last Jedi is when he's tickling her hand with a feather oh, no. being like do you or with a reed saying do you feel do you it do you feel, feel it? It? like that to me is also something he would have done 
at this age, right? Like that's still a very much a very Luke kind of like. And it's something Yoda quirky. would do as well. Yeah, absolutely. That playful moment there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. I just had this like scene in my head and I know it's super corny, but like they could do a thing where it's like they reach Ahsoka and she's like, I'm not the one you want to see. There's this other person you need to take yeah. him to. Don't mention him by name. She's yep. like, I'll see if I can find them. They go back off on the Darksaber mission somehow or run into Moff Gideon. Right. And like they need to, you know, he decides he wants to help them recover the Darksaber for whatever reason. Moff Gideon's more than they can handle. And then like Luke Skywalker comes guys. in and just pummels Moff Gideon. With his <laughs> <laughs> hands guys. with the Darksaber and he's like, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> so, so you guys want to you guys want to see luke's comedic side like how about this what if luke answers a hollow message from Han in the episode oh my god oh, oh man and it's mocha it's uh da's harrison it's i harris oh, there's wow. no way and he's just harrison there for, he's, no he's just there for like a, man, a second a second He's there. Like, yeah, I don't know. Everything's good here. Situation normal, but he's exactly. like, yes, baby Ben Solo. Reacts. Yeah. Oh man. Be- oh, man. <laughs> um, I think that's awesome. That's hilarious. Uh, it's so good. I am so excited for where this season's going because I, I keep doing this weird thing. I gotta just stop watching previews, I think. Um, which I'll never do because it's kind of a bread and butter on this show. But I keep going, so how much of the of the preview haven't we seen so far right and we're really just pretty much at this point down trailer trailer, yeah to the trailer sorry trailer what we really haven't seen yet is the cara dune grief carga stuff and there was like a little bit of the speeder bike chase with the um with the imperials planet yeah but like that's kind of it right like we we might get halfway through the season because i do think next episode might be the grief carga cara dune stuff i think we're gonna get a side step before we actually get to where we get to you know the so forest we could, planet of we Corvus. Ilum. You know, Ahsoka could mm-hmm. send him on a mission to go get his, his kyber crystal. Right. And the you know, the Mandalorian helps him and they're on Ilum, but they run into like the Imperial terraforming there. Well, That's I think we saw the ice planet from all the trailer footage that we saw, right? No, there's so a little more. There's oh, a little more one. with the Imperial because Ben and I were talking about this last week because we thought so too. And then when we were scrubbing through it, there's the Imperial bike chase. Uh, and that is not an ice. That is not an ice planet, and we didn't see that. And Ben, I think you might He's, be on to something because we might not. We might not see. He. She might not actually send him. I wonder if she goes she, with them. She could be there, but just not in that scene. You're right. Yeah, which is interesting. It's kind of like that'd be really interesting, right? This idea of like, with there's something going on there. There's something in the force going on there. We need to go investigate. Maybe it's another Jedi or something. You know, I don't know. what? And yeah. the infrastructure for Star Killer there, aren't they like? Building yeah, the infrastructure yeah. For that could be why the Imperials are there. That's so, where Moff Gideon is right now. So we, we know Bo Katan's motivation is to get the dark saber so that she can lead again, um, you know, and, and bring together the the Mandalorians. But like, what if just incidentally, um, Ahsoka and Dinjarin, or maybe just Dinjarin himself, they they beat Moff Gideon and take the dark saber, and then he runs into Bo Katan and she's like, "Wait, you have the thing I've been wanting." Mandalore is yours because you have the dark saber. Right, with him out even without even knowing, right? Because without they, even knowing, yeah. Because they made an interesting point. That's actually really interesting. They made they made a purpose of her questioning Titus Welliver's character, which is actually just as not named, whatever that Imperial captain is, about the dark saber out of earshot, or made it clear that this is a side conversation and no one heard what was going on. So to me, if you make it purposeful in your editing. 
that a character doesn't hear a conversation. It's because you specifically don't want that character to hear that conversation. Right. So that's actually interesting. He might he might not know the insignificance of the dark saber because right. of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, so it could be an accidental thing, and then they're like, "Wait, you're the, the leader of Mandalore." <laughs> so he, it would make sense if he was, and he'd be like, "Okay, we're doing it my way, and this is the way." And, yeah, or he would just reject it, right? So it might be this thing where he's chased down in season right. three to be like, "No, you are the leader," and he's just rejecting this. Right, but that would be the exact same plot of Rebels, where uh, oh, Sabine right. Wren right. gives up the dark saber because she thinks Bo-Katan <laughs> but- is more worthy. But also, isn't that the telling of like all mythic thing, right? Is the refusal of the call? Yeah, I mean, he'll refuse it at first, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm telling you guys, he walks off into the sunset with Baby Yoda at the end of this season, and doesn't I take the mantle of Mandalore. Then, but it does more seasons. So that's uh, no, so that's why just, it's going to be serialized, right? It's like he can yeah. just keep having adventures with Baby Yoda forever right. and ever. Yeah. Right. It would be a really weird series if he was the Mandalore and that's like where this this um series is going. Well, I think Bo Katan is the rightful Mandalore, honestly. Like she's the one fighting to get the planet back and, and yeah. She's, that's her mission. Like I, don't yeah. I just don't see them doing the same plot line twice in two different series. And I she screwed up the first two times she was like charged with taking back Mandalore. Like, we're gonna really give her a third shot at this. Like, I, I think we are off camera. Because I don't think I can't imagine this show. And this is where we this is where we jump cut to a year or two from now. And I'll be like, hey, remember, guys, when I said I couldn't imagine the series being blah, blah, blah. But I couldn't imagine the series getting that deep into the Mandalorian politics. Like, I just I don't this show seems so focused on this, like. Character and this narrative that I don't see it going that epic level. Right. I'm not against it. I'm not against it necessarily. I just can't imagine that because I think this is this this is a show that's for the masses. And that seems like you start losing interest. Like so you start going like you start going Phantom Menace with a lot of politics. And, yeah. Or even like The Walking Dead. Like The Walking Dead, everyone claims that it's when when Negan showed up and you start bashing heads with a baseball bat, which is what lost you some of the viewers. But that show really went off the rails even though I still watch it and actually like it quite a bit. But the show went off the rails when it started getting about like rebuilding society because no one wants to see that. They like watching a group of five people trying to survive on the road. They don't necessarily yeah. want to watch politics. I do. I'd be happy to watch that, but that's not really what gets you. Yeah. This is going to make me sound so snobbish because it's like the masses. But you know what I mean? Like it's not a, it's not a four quadrant show. You mean us? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think to retain its charm, it has to remain this this lone wolf and cub sort of. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, there's always room for spinoffs. Yeah, there definitely are. It's like Zatoichi, right? Like Zatoichi travels. Sorry, I think you mean the Incredible Hulk. But continue. Yeah, I guess oh, yeah, yeah, no, in the Incredible Hulk, right? No, this is it, you're right. Like, sorry, there are many, many. To be fair, this is if you're playing, if you're, any, if you're playing Coral News Bingo, it's where everyone brings up where the two classy people bring up the blind swordsman, and I go, yeah, you mean the Incredible Hulk from the 1970s? Yeah. <laughs> that too, that too. Yeah, but yeah, it just have goes over and over again, and you do it mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. that would be cool. I'd yeah. like to see a little more progression there. Like maybe Sabine Wren is like, you know what, you had your shot. Let me do it this time. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if it's Bo-Katan again, that's fine. Most people haven't seen the animated series, so they don't really um, know. And if Bo-Katan is successful, then that would be a cool intersection later on. Uh, there has been rumors galore swirling around. And I think part of it came from 
some insider talk that they are actively looking to find spinoff shows of the Mandalorian to create kind of a Mandalorian verse. Yeah. And the, the leading theory, which is probably just the internet being the internet, was there's going to be a Bo-Katan Cara Dune show. That's no longer happening because, I don't know, just check out Gina Carano's Instagram and Twitter poll, Twitter sites. Like, yeah, for the past two or three weeks. Yeah. yeah, it's just not, you don't want to touch that if you, you don't want to build a, build something around that. But uh, Katie Sackloff's still good, so you still have Bo-Katan. Right, so yeah. you might do that. Maybe it's a Bo-Katan Sabine Wren show. Maybe it's a Bo-Katan, maybe, like, I still think that's viable, and I would totally watch that show, right? I'd be super interested in the politics of Mandalore, building it, have that happening over here, have the Mandalorian happening over here, right? Just doing right. his lone wolf and cub thing. You could do a, you could do an ascent towards the reassembling of Mandalore, like lone wolf and cub sort of hybrid though, where it's just sort of like, so now he just has a, a longer goal and it's going to take him longer to get there, maybe forever, you know? I mean, I guess it would have to involve some politics, but I mean, he can't really do the bounty hunter thing much anymore. You know, it's, it's not going to, I mean, unless his mission forever is to try and find a Jedi and he never finds him. It sounds like he's already there though. Right. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. And once it is, they'll probably be like, no, he's a Mandalorian. Like there are no Jedi. There is no school. Like you're better off just following the will of the force and, and doing your thing. Um, well, but he's going to have to get a higher cause at some point. Yes, absolutely. Right. Like he has to be the quest has to become more right. Like, yeah, because it's not like Lord of the Rings. Right. <laughs> they didn't hand him the baby. Be. said you have to do this. Well, no, but it, it didn't start out in the way where it's like Frodo is handed the ring like at the beginning of this quest saying, basically, right. you need to throw this in Mount Doom. Then you have 4000 pages. Right. right. Of amazing storytelling. But like his quest from page one ish it's not really one because there's about 30 pages of exploring hobbiton but you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah. his quest in the beginning of that does not change till the end of that we haven't gotten that we don't know what well, his it could be the dark saber could be his ring right and absolutely but that's the thing like they're doing modern versions of lord of the rings where you don't tell the main character what his story is what his quest is on page one it grows it becomes bigger it's just this like you have to protect this child no you have to bring this child back to his family no, you have to overthrow X, right? Like it just builds yeah. as he's following this. Right. There, and there's clearly going to be some imperial confrontations um, coming up. I, I think that's why the Ilm stuff might come into play because I really am starting to bank on the fact that Moff Gideon's more involved with the, the Empire's transition to the First Order. Right. I think we're going to and and there was that storyline going on or there was that news item going around before the I think it was during the first season where they talked about the Mandalorian would tell the story of the rise of the First Order in some way. And I think that's starting to come into fruition. I think we're going to see that. I know a lot of it was in bloodlines and other things, but they're going to start touching on it. And as as, as uh, within Kyber Crystal Comics Corner, I don't know for <laughs> when we're doing that. So I'm like, we either have talked about it or we'll talk about it soon. They are playing around with storytelling from the sequel trilogy quite a bit. Quite. Well, you're making you're talking about that allusion to Lord of the Rings, and we know Filoni loves Lord of the Rings. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if 
Ahsoka Tano plays a Gandalf-like role where she warns yeah. everyone of the darkness and Ilum or star, the infrastructure, the Starkiller infrastructure, Gideon's base or a dark cloning facility or whatever, what, what have you, that, that, that represents Mordor. And Ahsoka yeah. sort of starts to, she has this, this, she senses this Mordor, this brewing of darkness in this, in, in the Empire, right? I the Empire's that return. Analogy so much more than the Obi-Wan Kenobi one, even though. Yeah, it, me it, too. Like the Gandalf analogy, dude. Yeah. yeah. That, that would be. Because she's, over. she's Gandalf the White now, right? So that leads yeah. to a sacrifice, a perceived sacrifice at some point. And then three seasons later, she comes back as Grandoff, Gandalf the Grey, right? Like she comes like, back as the Yeah. Gray, white. Yeah, I care. You guys know this is again, this is your spinoff podcast, not mine. So I'm, I'm working <laughs> as best I can here. But nonetheless, Ben, so do you think Mandal the Mandalorian, Dinjarin, wields the Darksaber at the end of the series and Bo Katan, all the Mandalorians just name him Mandalore after I think he, he is, does I some heroic stunt, after he does some heroic stunt and they all see it, right? They're all witness. Yeah. And he and he comes out wielding the sword in some valiant, some triumphant way. Do you yeah. think that happens or do you think Bo-Katan does that and she's just it remains Mandalore or remains the leader of the Mandalorians. I think it's more likely that Jin Djarin comes out with the Darksaber and then has a choice, you know? And I, I because it represents a new direction for Mandalore. Yeah. Which I, I think is, and, and I think the best direction for Mandalore, which is, you know, we, we can't you know, know our present without knowing the past and therefore understand the future. Like you've got to, you know, you're going to go, they're going to go back to go forward. And that's what Din Djarin represents. Um, and, but it's, you also get this sort of like, he's definitely going to refuse the call. Yeah. He, he's, he's not going to want to do it, but um, I think within that space, there's a lot of room um, for some interesting storytelling going forward. I, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to end up, yielding the dark saber to the point of 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 being the mandalorian because or the mandalore i should say because he's not a leader he's just not he's i don't know he's too pure of a soul like i feel like his role is to pick the leader i think he gets it and i think he does the game the not great ending of game of thrones thing <laughs> better done where he picks who is the leader right i think he bequeaths the sword to someone better than him who's more apt to lead yeah, and I'm goes sure. off in the sunset the, the true wasn't the true mandalore an actual jedi or well at least in the um we're getting some inside baseball stuff today <laughs> <These powers. laughs> not us like broadcast <laughs> um the uh i think the way they introduced the dark saber was that it was it was wielded by yes. a mandalorian so, jedi yeah yeah, Mandalorian Jedi. Yeah, and uh, so, Mandalorian who became a Jedi or something. Yeah. Right. yeah. So we're meeting Mandalorians and we're meeting Jedi, and we have a dark saber. Is there I mean, a chance that one of these Jedi that we meet becomes yeah? Mandalorian and becomes I mean, don't forget, Ahsoka Tano's story is 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 completely open. It feels like it feels weirdly like her story's done because she's started started so many series, right? But like, like this, it, if we see her or when we see her in this show. This is the most current in the timeline we've seen her, right? Like, there's been no talk about where Sokotano is yeah. at this point. So there's no reason why it couldn't be her, right? Why? And she has connections to Mandalore. There's no reason why it couldn't be that, that she decides to not be a Jedi, or she goes the opposite direction. The, man, the, 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 the true Mandalore, the Darksaber, was a Mandalorian who became a Jedi. Maybe the new Mandalore is a Jedi who becomes a Mandalorian. Yeah. 
you know, there's also just to do, to go another like dimension here. We've mentioned this before. There's a chance Ezra Bridger is with her. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you guys, you know, we've, we, we heard a lot of these, these characters were rumored, you know, before the show even released. And if sadly it was just all over Twitter and a lot of the, you know, our social media feeds. Uh-huh. It's like you couldn't avoid it. It was like, oh, this person's in the show. Uh, everyone yeah, it was just, it's it was so just far popular news. It was right. Yeah. yeah. And it was 100% correct. And I, I was going to ask you guys do you think there will be any wild surprises? Like just, the, you know, just some unknowns who come into the, the, the picture? I think it, yes. Yeah. But, you know, but I mean, as far as naming them, I, I don't know that I can do. I, I, there's a well, like, a, well, like an Edra Bridger, like a Jason Sandula, or like something, you know, someone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A Jason Sandula would be so cool. I mean, if they had like a, like an Ezra Bridger in his like 30s missing an arm, like with an animatronic arm and like a <laughs> scar across his face, and he just sort of like is sitting in the corner and he's just this, he like doesn't really participate that much but they just mention him by name or he shoots in like a little quip once when they're visiting. Like that would be so cool. Yeah. I, I do think we're going to get a big surprise because I, I, I really feel like after next week, or the week after I, I feel like we haven't seen anything from the last three episodes of this season in the trailer. Yeah. Definitely. And I think there's a reason you do that. I don't know what that, that surprise is, but I feel like that surprise has to be something that again, hits all viewers. Yeah. Right. And I don't know what that is because I don't think Ezra Bridger is that. I don't think Jason Sandul is that. Because if he did that, my wife would look at me and be like, Who? Who's that? Yeah. Right. Again, the person who watches the, we've watched the movies at least once a year, almost twice a year since we've been together. Right. She loves Star Wars. She loves the movies. She loves The Mandalorian. She just, just doesn't watch the cartoons. Um, mostly because I haven't really forced her to. I'm sure she animated would like it. Animated series, please. Sorry, animated series. Okay, are you going to pull the whole graphic novel versus comic books argument? Because so just here, this is how you know Filoni right. to call them. So that's that is fair. That is fair. I do. I I will. I will. Yes, animated series. That is accurate. And I'm just being a jerk. Sorry. No, but I, as much as I'm giving you pushback, I'm like there is a difference between an animated series and a cartoon. Um, so the animated series, she doesn't really die on them. So I feel like you have to find something that every Star Wars viewer is going to react to. And I don't know what that is. I know that's not really helpful, but maybe Luke that's Luke. Luke. Sure. Yeah, there you go. Like, maybe it's Luke, right? Like, I don't know. Because, like, Baby Yoda got everyone because it's like, oh, it's a Yoda that's a baby. The Darksaber, to me, is the Darth Maul right. in Solo of the series. Because it happens, and my wife looks at me and goes, shrugs and goes, eh? <laughs> black lightsaber neato yeah she's like Sorry, cool. yeah. yeah it makes a good it makes for a good ring mm-hmm. I, but i mean i think like an ezra bridger moment would be they would do it just for the hardcore to, yeah because it would be really fun for you know the diehard rebels fans absolutely um to bring him in and if you don't know who ezra bridger is he was the main character uh padawan character in rebels uh the rebels animated series um and yeah i don't want to I mean, spoil it too much but he got sort of goes elsewhere at the end of that series and Sabine Wren and we might see a Sabine Wren also here. Speaking um, of going elsewhere, is this where Thrawn is this where Thrawn comes in at some point? Because like we don't know what Thrawn's story is either. And there's so much time Thrawn in between an ally to Ahsoka at this point. Right? Like we don't know. Like maybe the big bad of this whole series is Thrawn. Because like 
there's so much room between episode four or episode six, episode seven, that you could have Thrawn ruling the galaxy for 10, 15 years, or at least like ruling a faction of it. And it would still. But what about the books, though? The canon. What about the books? Would they not have mentioned like in Bloodlines? Would you not have heard about Thrawn? They really hear about it would be a weird like parallel. And this could be the the Headley series, right? Um, right. Uh, oh, oh, Leslie, Leslie Headland. Headland. Yeah, sorry. Um, you know they they had that weird paraphrasing or this information that came out this week where they game of telephone a parallel narrative. Like this could be it. It's just like it was going on, but it didn't interact with the right. you know Skywalker saga. Yeah. Um, but it could involve, yeah, it could be this parallel universe with Ahsoka Tano and Thrawn and Ezra Bridger and, you know, Sabine Wren. Um, and Maybe Thrawn and Ezra he, saw the horrors on Exegol. Maybe they saw found Exegol, essentially. Yeah. Maybe Thrawn and Ezra were the first people on Exegol before the I, Emperor found. I think Thrawn needs to be a good guy. I think it would be fun to have him actually switch over and, and, and have use his powers for good. It's just so fun seeing him be a protagonist in um in the new um Timothy Zahn book series. Um that it would I be mean, fun. that's what we love in our modern storytelling, right? Like we love the bad guy turned good, right? right? Like that is so common. And and in the new EU of Thrawn, you could totally do that. Like you could totally redeem that character. Make him still a giant jerk and a know it all, but working for the side of good. Right. Well, I don't know if we're going to get to, but we were going to do, talk about uh, George Lucas's uh, sequel trilogy or ideations for the. We either have or yeah. will. I think I think we should <laughs> probably cut it here. Actually, I have one more actual Mandalorian <laughs> thing I want to do, but I th- let's save that for the next episode. We'll do another episode with the uh, with the Lucas stuff, if you don't mind, Grant, and then the uh, and we'll do a Kyber Crystal Comics corner because um, we're way overdue on that. Um, but all right, let me. So, oh, I was gonna break into it. I was gonna break into a theory of some sort. But. And I love your theories, dude. Um, all right, you get right. one more. No, I was just. Oh, right, I was just right, gonna say, okay, listen, I just overread. It was a theory. It was just more so of uh, what I think would have made an incredible villain for the sequel trilogy, which is a Thrawn type character, someone who was a, you know, the emperors admired this character's tact and str- and strategic nature and uh, intelligence and and sort of left the empire to him uh in a way that's similar to like heir to the empire and how he was used there but it's it's uh, he just he seemed like a perfect candidate for the sequel trilogy as as a main villain and uh sorry and he, i cut he, you off too early there grant you're you're don't worry about it. and we did we did talk about the sequel to the sequel trilogy and our pitch session would be a great place for thrawn to come back in yeah, yeah. i like I had, you know, thought about Thrawn having used Ezra Bridger as a way to mask himself from the Force. Yeah, that's right. And I'm like, that's hey, true. that could happen now. Just use that idea now. You're but also, it, Lucas, also, though. if Ahsoka is this Gandalf character and she's warning of the darkness that is this, you know, the the beginnings of Star Killer or Exegol or or the, some of the contingent the places in the contingency plan. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she has already recovered Ezra and maybe he's traumatized from having been to eggs yeah. or seen yeah. some darkness and he's yeah. he's like the golem essentially or something like that would be why yeah. Really, yeah i'd love a broken ass yeah yeah that would i, I, so I, I love that yeah. as well um 
All right, I have a, I have a trivial question for you two that actually Jenny, who just walked in, um, brought up, and it actually opens up a really interesting. Hi, Jenny, you kind of look like Snoke with a cap. <laughs> yeah, I only <laughs> see Snoke. It's Jenny back there. She just got. She just uh, crocheted that cap. Actually, uh, it's, ah, it's a good look. Quite fetching. This is my background there, Jenny. You can see it, but that's. <laughs> oh, there, there's Jenny. Oh, there's Jenny. Hi. Yeah, so, my background's just Katie Sokoloff. I got to change her. So. <laughs> Sokoloff. And I'm currently at the Four Seasons. Yeah. Yes. Adam is currently at the uh, yeah the Four Seasons between the. Uh, no, 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 no. Just the Four Seasons. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the crematorium. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't matter. Currently represent a four season order. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, anywho, back to our Mandalorian episode at the at the very end. Um, the that Mon Calamari uh, who put his ship back together. It's like it's got like I mean it's literally held together with like fishing line and rope. Yeah. And, like, it, it as he hits hyperspace like the panel falls off and it, and it gets the viewer thinking like maybe he should get a new ship what do you think the chances are like can he get a new ship because he he like he he had his interaction with the um new republic and they're good they're just like you have to transpond a code so it's like the whole reason he had that um the whole reason <laughs> Don't worry, Jenny's just talking to our uh, Chihuahua audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. It's, it's, yeah. I was um, about to remark on uh, the ghost cat that keeps passing in front of Adam. I was going to say, we're, Jenny, we've been off the rails before you came in, so don't worry about it. Um, to answer Ben's question, yes, I think we can totally get a new ship. I, I have no... The Razor Crest looks great. It's fine. I have no allegiance. It's not a slave one. It's not a Millennium Falcon. It's not an X-Wing to me. I didn't have this instantaneous, like, that is an amazing ship. I think it's very functional and cool. I'd be fine if it's a ship we're stuck. <laughs> Oops. I'd be fine as the ship we have for the remainder of the series. But I think there's no reason why he couldn't just upgrade. Because I have that same thought of just, like, Every time you think they're going to fix this ship, it gets more and more beat up for the last two episodes, right? Which I'm enjoying. I'm like, is just one of the episodes just going to be him waiting around while they fix his ship? Or are they just going to yeah. give him a new one? That'll be the whole plot. What do you yeah. think? Can, can yeah, that was ship? my favorite ending to any of the episodes was he just yeah. goes to hyperspace and just a panel is floating, just spinning <laughs> in space. I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> was so, I was so happy for, for Bryce Dallas Howard. I thought this was an incredible yeah. feat of directing and uh I, I think the i know it's not greek fraser anymore it's the dp it's i think someone i don't want to say it's like mark jensen or i, I don't want to i don't want to get the name wrong but he his cinematography was incredible too i thought that everyone did an incredible job and don fabro writing yeah. these episodes wow yeah like, I mean, that's the other thing is like this has been they're really doing something different where every episode is picking up immediately at the end of the last episode yeah I mean, yeah. this one took up maybe there's a nap. Time we, yeah. yeah, so it's really interesting that he wrote this se season, it feels like, as just this one long story. Like, you could literally just hit play, and you just have one long movie. Yeah. Do you know who uh, directed next week's episode? It's the only time they've ever accidentally revealed beforehand who, who recorded it. No, is it, oh, is it Rick Famuyiwa? Nope. Who is it? Carl Weathers. Oh, it's the Carl Weathers episode. Yeah, he let it he let it slip that his is the next episode. Oh, that's right. He did. So yeah. this is gonna be so he might 
before he goes to visit Ahsoka Tano, he might go back there. Or maybe he might go to buy his ship, but we, I think we're going to get that scene from the trailer then, right? That's my thought. Yeah. Matthew Jensen is the DP. It is uh, nice. Incredible work. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the low angle shots of the Mandalorians were just super heroic looking in this uh, third episode. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, um, why don't we call it there, y'all? This, um, if you're still listening, thank you so much. Um, it, but this one gave us a lot to think about. And uh, I can't wait till we see the future episodes because um, they're really going to some really interesting, fun places if you love uh, having your mind in the galaxy far, far away. Um, so thanks, everyone. And uh, may the force be with you always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Coreworld News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always. Yeah.